The two Jills, a psychologist and psychic intuitive, reveal mind-blowing insights that turn psychology, self-help, and conscious teachings on their heads. Why? Because they work. Real help, sincere growth is here. Welcome to Sight. Hey, Jill. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> we're good. We're good. Everybody's good. Um, all right. So today we are um, going to talk about something that has been on my mind a lot recently. As if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I am super focused on my body these days, for better or for worse. There's just a lot of health challenges, questions, things that um, I don't know. I just can't figure out. And it brings me to something I realized a while ago when I was looking for healing. And that is, where is it in our medical model? That's really the question that I was asking myself. And it brought me to three words, which is coping, chronic, and remission. And those are the, what would I say, the models or the goals for a lot of our medical um, pathways. We're looking for ways to cope with a chronic illness. We're looking for a cancer to go into remission, right? We are looking, we're looking for maintenance. We're not looking or we're not setting the mark at true healing meaning being free of whatever it is that ails us, of dis-ease, as we like to say. So I just want to throw out this idea um, of massaging the brain and saying, what are your goals in healing? And if you hold beliefs that are related to limitations, like coping, chronic, and remission, which to me were setting limitations on what I could achieve. Hmm. I just want to, I just want to massage that belief system there and see if we can go beyond the limits that we have learned to accept from the professionals in these areas. Do so you have I'm, any thoughts on this, Jill? I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I can just feel that there's a lot, there's a lot of opportunity here. There's a lot of um, recognition and insights available to us in this conversation. So I'm so glad you're you're bringing it up. Health feels so elusive to a lot of us, and I think so many people have their version of why it feels elusive to them. But I just, I, it's, it is, it can be so frustrating that why does it, why does it feel so hard to feel good? Exactly. And since you and I talk about the brain incessantly, I really, and the belief systems that we hold, the idea is that these are belief systems. They have become truths. We have come to accept that there are limitations there. And I'm not here to argue whether there are or there aren't. I'm just saying, does do those belief systems serve us? So one of the things that really broke this all open for me was my, my anxiety. 
And for the longest time, being a psychologist, my role was to help people cope with anxiety, not heal, cope, manage. What I was telling them and what psychology says is either this is hereditary, some say, or you will always have it. So the best you can do is deal. And I'm going to teach you how to deal. And your success is based on how well you deal. That to me didn't feel good. And when I had tremendous anxiety and then I saw that my kids were starting to exhibit anxiety, that threshold pissed me off. Like we have to find a way to not make this a life sentence or what I call a death sentence, living with the specter of a mental dis-ease for your whole life sucks. It colors everything you do. The fear that if you're depressed, that it's going to come back because that's you, that sucks. And it doesn't leave room for really situational I was in a situation recently where somebody had changed so many things in their lives. So they were, their daughter was going off to college. They they recently had to put their dog down. They had, um, you know, they were in the process of selling their house. They, so all of these factors were, and, and a job was changing. All of these factors happened all at once. This person hit a low point understandable, totally normal. But because there was already this previous low point a couple of years back, the fear of hitting this low point spiraled this person down so much deeper. There was no ability to look at this as situational. It was characterological. This is what happens to you. And it's going to keep happening and happening again. So so I say we really need to look at this closely. We need to up the standards of what we want. And we have to stop accepting this lower form of you're screwed, but here's how to be the least screwed. Yeah, the storyline is so powerful, right? Um, The whole idea of, well, I have this condition or I have this disease, I have this predisposition. It, the way it the way it feels energetically to me is they're they put they're putting a limit on what they're capable of and they're definitely in denial of their transcendence amidst any sort of challenge or um, strife that they may that they may come across in their journey be it big or small and that I feel like that doesn't serve them and it ends up being a disservice to everyone around them and society in general. I agree. And I feel like there's so much fear because of the legal ramifications of giving people too much hope. It's just so bizarre. That, but it's dangerous to so give bizarre. hope. Oh my God. It is. Oh my legally, God. It's legally, almost like- I get it though. Legally, I get it. But I mean, oh man, it's just so sad. Ugh, yeah, I'm just thinking about what you just said. That's huge. Thank you for reminding us of that. <laughs> that that's partly what's at play here. It is. And and in some ways, doctors recognize their limitations, but don't put them on me. Right? 
And there are variables. Some people heal and some people don't. And I think that the mental aspect, which is not really taken into account enough, has a lot to do with it. Your mental state. If you're glass half full versus glass half empty, it makes a difference. I used to ask parents who would bring me their children for testing, psychological testing. They had anxiety or they were experiencing, you know, exhibiting some, some behaviors. I, the first thing I would ask them was, do you believe your child can heal? Most of them, that question destabilized so many people. They literally didn't know what they thought. They had never thought about it before. In my mind, if you don't think it, it can't happen. You have to put the possibility on the table. It's a buffet. It's got to be loaded up there. Important. Because what I another part of what I hear you saying is that for any of us that are giving, you know, advice, or maybe we have a um, an expertise and you know a, a papered certificate of what we do, there are there are many individuals that will seek your counsel, advice, expertise that are giving you a lot of authority. What are you doing with that authority? Um, I mean, this whole idea that that one counseling experience or therapy session could lead someone for the rest of their life to use the words, well, I have anxiety, so I can't do this or I'll never be good at that versus in that same type of session, the same practitioner even saying, well, do you want to be someone that 20 years from now says, I can't drive on the freeway, semis freak me out? Or do you want to be the person that says, I never used to be able to drive on the freeway. Driving next to a semi, a semi truck just completely freaked me out. But I got over it. Who do you, what do you want to be? Right? That you have choices here. You do. But if we're if we're not presented those choices by an authority, by a figure that we're giving a lot of authority to, otherwise we have to fight for it ourselves. But some individuals put so much respect in these authority figures that they believe everything they say. And there should be a lot more humility from from all the players involved of just because somebody says you have anxiety or you have anything doesn't mean it doesn't mean what sometimes we think it will mean. What do we want it to mean? We have to do better. We have to be more in the driver's seat of our own care. And I've told this story before, but this is a good place to just reiterate it for impact that my doctor, when I had my cancer surgeries, I asked my doctor, how do I not get cancer again? And this lovely man, he said to me, I don't know. And to me, I heard, well, he doesn't know. That that to me was liberation. I was like, well, if he doesn't know, then it doesn't necessarily mean it's complicated. It just means he hasn't figured it out. That doesn't mean I can't go figure it out. But in a different mindset, I would have been like, I would have flushed myself down the toilet. I'd have been like, okay, I'm screwed. If he doesn't know, I definitely don't know. Or there's no hope for me. So it's not just what they're saying. It is, to your point, how much how much authority are you willing to give that person? But also how much, if he was less of an, if he was more of an authoritarian, 
I think I might have energetically heard it like, I don't know, and you will never know because I don't know. But because he was so like, yeah, I'm not really sure. You know, I, it was just this more collaborative conversation. And it really, it didn't scare me at all. And it, it set me on a totally different path. I'm like, all right, I'll figure it out. This you know, that's, so I'm big. kind of entrepreneurial anyway. Yeah, this is, and this is so big because I mean, your example, I'm so glad you brought this up because it is so, I mean, even me, when I'm thinking out, I wonder how I would have received that. Cause I appreciate his humility. Number one, as he's saying, you know, well, I don't know how, I don't know how we can prevent you from being here and having this cancer again or any cancer again. So I like the humility. Sorry, there's something in my eye, but I I love the idea that, I mean, inviting everyone listening or watching this to reflect upon what is the main like diagnosis or condition or dis-ease that you, that you hold yourself accountable for. Like, I am the person that can't, you know, I have this or I don't have that or I'm missing this or I have too much of that. Just write down that statement and then pretend you're hearing it for the first time you're receiving this, this big idea for the first time that you've now been walking around with as part of your truth and your identity, even now looking at it, stepping back from a little bit, giving yourself some space and some authorship. What do you want that statement to mean to you today? You can't go back to I want that to be true, but it's huge. Yeah. The whole idea. Do you want it to be true? Um, what do you want this to mean to you? Right. And I know for my, my, I guess not silly, but I have asthma. What do I want that to mean? I have allergies, including to pets. Do I want that to mean I never have pets? No, I do have pets. Is that, is that the wisest choice? Probably not, <laughs> but it's a choice I make every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's just a whole bunch of, and that means this, that we don't feel authorship. We don't, we lose our agency in those moments. And I feel like that's a huge part of what you're introducing with this topic is reclaiming your agency and your authorship over, okay, yes, Jill has asthma. What does that mean? What does she want that to mean? What do you want this to mean? So this is so important. And I think you, what you're bringing up is if you're operating with asthma and you don't feel the limitation of it, great. We're really addressing the, the mindset of limitation. That doesn't work for us energetically. So with remission, for instance, I had a friend and she, she had MS and she, she was diagnosed, labeled with MS. And at one point she hit this symptom free. She felt fantastic. It went on for a decent amount of time. She was so excited. She went to her doctor and she said to her doctor, I feel amazing. And he said, I have no idea why you're in remission. And I was like, in remission, do you accept that? You, you are symptom free. Do you still have what they say you have? Like, to me, it's all about the symptom. It's all about the way you feel, not what somebody tells you how you feel, but how you feel. And he overstepped in my mind, 
her sovereignty. And because that was her doctor, and she's like, well, who am I to know if he says that? Who am I to trust myself in the way I feel? How long do you think she felt good? Not very long. And I think that's the same thing that happens with cancer. They give you like a five-year period of recurrence and in most cancers. And to me, you have the euphoria when you're cancer-free. You have the euphoria of the, that new lease on life, but eventually your old brain crusts over and whatever conditions led to that occurrence in the first place. You haven't really done anything with that, right, energetically. And then you have your doctor telling you, you're in remission. At first, remission is like, that was your goal. That's That was your goal. And you achieved your goal. But remission means it's coming back. So I just want to energetically tee up these things. I'm not trying, I want to be very clear. I don't want you to mix up your, your treatment. I don't want you to leave treatment. This is not about that. All those things can go on side by side. This is about you don't have to limit yourself. When your doctor tells you a mission, you're like, that's good for you. <laughs> that's where you get. That's the end of your rainbow. But my rainbow keeps going right? And you don't actively have to do anything to keep that rainbow going, but just be like, there's more. There's more for me, honey, right? And just keep your doors open. Don't accept remission as healing. Don't accept coping as healing. Don't shoot way below yourself on these things. Don't over-identify with whatever somebody tells you as it's not part of your identity, don't make it so. So this is just massaging a lot of long-held, culturally acceptable, scientifically acceptable ways of talking about limitation. I love it. I absolutely love it. And think about it. There are some people that are just, it's almost like their predisposition to be the one that even on the sunniest of days say, yeah, it's supposed to rain tomorrow. It's just like, there's a part of me that just wants to go F you. There's not a cloud in the sky today. That was my comment. If you don't want to enjoy the sunny day, then you go do that and I'll do this. And who else wants to enjoy the sunny day today, right? It's just like, there are so many choices. in That part is is personal, Right. This is endemic in our healing models. And, and so it is even the brightest and sunniest of people could inadvertently get stuck in these limiting models. And that's really what we're, you know, what we're just trying to, to open and just say, it's not you. It is not your disposition. It is this is the edge of our snow globe here. And, and we don't have to be stuck by the, by the edge of our snow globe. So when I was dealing with my own anxiety, when I started and, and healing and coping was the best way of dealing with it, I saw my kids who were starting to get anxiety. I was afraid for them because I knew that that was a shitty life, to be honest, because I lived that life. 
And it's not, coping is not a good life. I'm sorry, it's just not. Um, Because there's fear that just, you don't know what's going to set you off. And then you add the unconscious in there and you're like, well, I don't know. You know, I mean, you're just adding layers of fear to your life. I threw out the unconscious. I'm like, I have no need for that. Like, that's just a pile of hell that I'm not aware of. I don't need to deal with what I don't know at this point. And so for me, I'm like, I need a better model. And my kids made me look for that. They made me go beyond. And now when they say they're anxious or whatever, I'm like, cool. I have no negative feeling about it because I actually know it's 100% healable. And that's what happened to me in flying. There is a way to literally rest, I think with a W, rest it out of your your profile, your behavior profile, and get it out of your physicality and have, you know, and have so much more peace in your life. So I don't fear these quote unquote diagnoses anymore because I'm not limited by coping anymore. I go right to the healing. And I will say, I turn off a lot of people with my approach because their belief system can't wrap their head around it. You know, they can't, they can't allow for that opening. It's too fearful for them to hope so high. Jill, could it also be that some of the individuals that you, that you might be describing there, they've, they've decided that their limitations are their identity. So they actually are trying to extract power from a limiting identity, a limiting diagnosis, a limiting that that's where they actually find strength is that there's a name for it. Initially, I that is 100% true. And initially, I do feel that people, when they are suffering and they do finally get a label, they are relieved. But then they don't realize how that label becomes their next problem, right? So it's it's nice to know on some level what you're dealing with, but then you've entered the story, the encapsulated story of what that means for you. You, in some ways, stop writing your own story and say, okay, now I can rest here in this diagnosis because it is a temporary relief. Um, but staying there past the the due date, you know, the expiration date further robs us of our because initially think about it when you when you become ill, you're in seeking mode, right? And there's an openness. What is it? What is it? What is it? But the minute you're labeled, that openness goes into a different you, you shut down. You're like, this is it. I can stop looking. That's why there's a temporary relief. But then the work needs to begin. And that's where people don't get a lot of times. There's That's when they sort of say, I want this relief. You take care of me. You tell me what my problem is. You tell me what I do about it. And you, by the nature of the people that we choose, dictate my limitations if I allow that. Yeah. I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying too, in terms of the hope and 
who are you choosing as a practitioner and do they prompt hope that, okay, well, your situation can be individual and maybe better than, you know, some other people's unfortunate situations with it, that you, you still have agency, you still have your own unique individual experience to have with this diagnosis and let's help it. Let's help that be as positive as, as we can versus somebody that is more like, Oh, you feel good today. Don't get too excited. It's just remission. I mean, I wouldn't, I would hope to either never go back to that person and have an alternative, or I would really be watching myself to, like you said, just like, okay, take what they're, don't let their words rob me of my good feeling today. And how you hear their words. I, there are so many, especially in, um, in psychology and in oncology, they're beautiful, beautiful people in there. I'm just saying the standard of healing is coping chronic and remission. It's a norm. It people don't realize what they're actually saying when when they, you know, say these things to you. Remission is the goal. And so teachers, I mean, doctors are excited for you when you're in the remission. You know, so I'm just kind of saying but there's more. That's all I'm saying, you know, that there's, it doesn't mean that your doctor's bad because they believe in remission. It's just, you can have your own sort of just like, yeah, there's remission. And that's not what I'm calling this. You know, I'm calling this healing. I'm not leaving the door open for cancer. I'm leaving the door open for, for healing. You're leaving the door open for something in those two instances, right? Chronic, when somebody's diagnosed with something chronic, you're leaving the door open for something negative to happen again. When you remission, the door is open for this to come back. Close that fucking door. That's all I'm saying. And it doesn't matter whether it's true or not true. That's not the point. You and I are talking about frequency and energy and belief systems and choose the ones that work for you. Leaving a door wide open that I don't want open just doesn't make sense to me. Just a thought, do with it what you will. This is where my mind goes. I I believe, you know, in the anxiety specter, anxiety to me is totally healable. It's not, it's just not that big a deal. Like I really, and that's what turns people off. They think I'm crazy. They think I know what I'm talking about. They're, they just, because what I'm saying is outside of what's acceptable, it's unacceptable. And this is a, I mean, yeah. I love that you're offering, it is, it can be seen that viewed as radical. These are radical, you're offering a radical new view by some people's standards. And I think that's why I like it because it's, we don't have all of these things figured out. Even the experts, um, the most highly regarded on certain subjects like anxiety, they're, I feel like they're lacking humility in terms of what's possible. 
And that with certain individuals, if they were to hear that, that, okay, well, yeah, some people, you know, are still afraid to drive on the freeway 20 years later. Some, it takes some of, you know, some, some work and some undoing and some reconfiguration of how their thoughts are associated with their operating system of their human, but they're actually, you know, not limited by this. They, they get over that, that in, in uh, situational challenge and then more. I mean, there's a lot of options here and sometimes we're not presented those. So I like what you're saying. And I, I, I find it hopeful. I don't find it reckless at all. If anything, I find the hopelessness of the the lack of healing and oh, well, good luck. You know what I mean? You know, sort of mentality. I find that irresponsible and reckless. It is. And I think the the bigger problem is if somebody is really that, you know, sort of dictatorial in their views and not humble, you won't go back to that doctor. But another doctor who is more amenable to you will will still be sort of um, operating within the same system. That is the medical model. And what I say is there's no healing in it. So you will still get a beautiful good-natured doctor who celebrates your remission. Like, I I, I really want to go in, you know, I, I really want to just say, you're not going to see this coming because it's part of the fabric of our, of our healing models, right? So that that's where it's, it's, it's insidious. It's not, it's not like these people are bad. It's not like you would see it coming. You wouldn't even realize that there was limitation in it. I didn't realize there was limitation in it until I realized coping chronic remission, where's the healing? There's no healing there. And that's the standard of care. So this is, again, this is just like, yeah, do with it what you will, but I hope it brings you as much joy as it does me. And, and I will say that there, there isn't always a cure, but there is always healing and it's really really important to always have that mindset because that's what you and I are talking about we're not actually talking about the body we're talking about the belief systems and the brain and with everything you and I start here with everything however it manifests in life there's always something you can do here you're never limited. Think about that. You're never limited except by what you believe. That feels good, Joe. Um, I will refer people also to the episode we did on second opinions. And we're always referring back to the episode of beliefs, which I think is our number one. It's the first episode we did. Um, right after the trailer that we did or the kind of intro to, to both of us. And I I constantly am referring people back to that one. But that one in second beliefs fits in really a nice compliment to what you what you teed up here. Thank you. Thank you, Jill, for letting me get that off my chest. That's that's been a biggie for me. <laughs> it's so good. Thanks everybody. Glad you're here. Thank you.